Psalm 23 is indeed a jewel that has captured the attention of many a soul. Who doesn't know about Psalm 23? In the psalm, the shepherd claims us as his sheep. We learn not to want shiny objects of this world, and we accept all that comes from his hand. We follow his lead, accept his good gifts, his good and pure gifts, that they are used to restore our broken condition. Once restored, consider what he calls us to do. Die to self. He calls us to die to self, putting aside all fear. As we mature in Christ, we accept the discipline from his rod and his staff, knowing that they are indeed comforting. As we die to self, we also learn to trust in God, and we are ready to battle with the enemy. With a calm trust in our Lord, we accept his care as he refreshes us, freshes us with the anointing, and then makes our heart rejoice with the overflowing cup. This life is now our training ground for eternity. We look to him to supply all of our needs and prepare us to dwell forever in his presence. This psalm is indeed about growing up in Christ, or as theologians say, it's about sanctification. Before we actually read the psalm, let's pray that the Lord would illumine our hearts and minds. Lord, indeed, help us to relax and to rest comfortably in your presence, to drink deeply of these living waters that our souls may be refreshed. Open our eyes, Lord, soften our hearts even as we prayed, to receive this, your word, that we might be recreated in the image of your Son. And God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Just a, one more footnote, or one little note before we actually read the psalm. Psalm 22 from last week. We joyed when we heard, we rejoiced when we heard, but knowing that Jesus died to save us, our family lineages, and whole nations. Now, this Psalm 23, the emphasis changes a little bit. It's much, much more of a personal tone. Notice the use of the personal pronouns, me, mine, and I. So this is one of those psalms that uh, I think one of the reasons people gravitate towards it. So, Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is indeed our shepherd. Therefore, we shall not want. To those that are goats not following our Lord, they are in constant want, constant need. They are looking for a purpose in life and in a fulfillment, but they're never finding it. Without God as their shepherd, all they know to do is eat, get drunk, entertain themselves, for tomorrow they die. 
We, on the other hand, are saved for a purpose, that we might worship him and love our neighbors and build his kingdom. If we look for our own fulfillment in stuff, in experiences, in relationships, they will never satisfy our longings, which are infinite. All of these things are finite, limited. It is our shepherd who is infinite, and he, it's he alone that can satisfy our souls so that we are not in want. Are you content with your station in life? Know that God is writing a grand novel, and we are his characters in this story. The story is not about us. But we do have a role to play, and this role is important to play, so do it well. Do it well by rejoicing and giving thanks. As our shepherd, he makes us lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside still waters. He must make us lie down, and he must lead us, because we do not know what's for our own good. We are more comfortable as rebellious goats, thinking we know what is good for our own soul. Again, we prefer the shiny objects of this world, but they rust and they corrode. As opposed to seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, our natural desires are to seek the praise of men. So we speak in a certain way, we dress a certain way, and we even pray to please them from time to time. As we seek the praise of men, we know they can turn on a dime. And their praise or favor will soon become brown grass, not green. And it will leaving us empty. We, in and of ourselves, think it's better to receive. Like the leech's daughters, we only want more, more, more. And we're never satisfied. So, to always expect... Uh, to always expect something is indeed to be partaking of turbulent waters and they will wash us away in a torrent of self-pity. God says that it is better to give. Now this is teaching. Now his teaching is still waters and this nourishes and soothes our souls. So like our shepherd, make it your disposition to give, not expecting to be given all the time. Then you will start to find contentment. We are called to follow our shepherd, for we should know his voice. We must acknowledge that there are plenty of false shepherds who want to lead us. Many of those who report the news pretend that they know all. They report the news about a hurricane and pretend to make sense out of it, out of this horrific disaster. They tell us that we are carbon-admitting uh, units, and we are the reason to blame for this disaster. Another group speaks about a vicious killing, and again, they try to make sense out of it. And they spin the story telling us that guns are evil, and that we should stop being selfish about our God-given rights. There are those who promise popularity and fame if we'd only buy their product, listen to their music, or just act like them. Many want to lead us, saying they will make us whole. Stop listening to these false shepherds. They only want your money, and they only want your support, even as they flatter you. There's only one true shepherd. Ignore the rest of them and listen to his voice. It is only the voice of the shepherd that restores our soul. 
our souls that once were broken and a mess. Regarding our affections, we were selfish, seeking our own, and this was our destruction, was our, led to our destruction and those closest to us. Now with Christ as our shepherd, he leads us in paths of righteousness. He must lead us because we do not know the way. We only know the way of self-indulgence and destruction. Follow his lead, humble yourself, learn to serve others. When reviled, do not revile back, but bless and edify. At first, these paths of righteousness will seem strange to your feet, awkward and unnatural at best. Your heart will pull away to that which feels good, but follow your shepherd. As descendants of Abraham, by faith, we are called to be a blessing to all nations. Remember, Jesus died that all nations might be blessed. Follow his lead. Die to your natural desires and learn to serve others. When we walk in paths of righteousness, following our Lord, that his name, not our name, will be praised. As you follow in these paths of our Lord, of righteousness, prepare your soul for the realities of this world. The paths of righteousness lead to the valley of the shadow of death. At first, you're going to recoil, thinking, surely the paths of righteousness only lead to a place like the Big Rock Candy Mountain, where the sun always shines, where the land is fair and bright, where handouts grow on trees. You will be tempted to stop following our Lord and try a different path. You are experienced in traveling down the path of selfishness and self-indulgence. But the path of righteousness is unfamiliar to you. Follow his lead. He's been here before. He knows what he's doing. This valley that he's going to lead us to is a low spot on the journey. There are dark shadows all around. Imagine walking through a valley with steep, steep cliffs on both sides. And on these cliffs are your enemies, threatening and taunting. You are given to fear, but follow his lead. Remember that our Lord faced these taunts and threats of the enemies as he died on the cross. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself that we might live. He calls us to do the same. Instead of responding in fear, we should willingly submit to his lead and walk on. We are prone to fear, which stops us in our tracks, makes our knees weak. Our shepherd commands us, keep walking, that we may face our fears head on. Then he reminds us that we are not alone during these times. Where is he? He's right there with us. In case you forgot, be prepared to feel the swat of his rod as he goads you on. If you decide to veer off the path, take comfort. His crooked staff will grab you and pull you back to the right path. As you walk with our Lord, you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And maybe even a few times in your life. As you walk with our Lord, you will have enemies. You may try to be super nice and kind, thinking, Ah, that's the cure. Now I won't have enemies. But can you outlove more than Jesus did? He had enemies, and if we are faithful in walking with him, we too will have enemies. Again, do not fret. Do not think something is wrong. Instead, rejoice, knowing like the prophets of old, you are on the right path. 
You're emulating Jesus. You're shining the light in dark places, and you're speaking to the speaking the truth to those who prefer who prefer the darkness. In Psalm or in uh, Psalm Psalm 23 verse 5, this the metaphor changes from that of a shepherd to that of a commander or fighter. And the same in the passage that we read today. Remember, David was a shepherd tending his flock, and now he's ready to go lead the people in battle against uh, Goliath. So, we start as sheep, learning to obey our master's voice. We're following his lead. We're eating that which he, which he feeds us with. We are restored. We grow strong. And he still corrects us with his rod, and he keeps us on the paths of righteousness. These paths lead to places of conflict, and this is the way of our Lord. We do not fight like God's enemies. They seek to hold us prisoner with false promises and comfort and security. They seek to sedate us with drink and sex and make us slaves to, their, to our own selfish appetites. Our shepherd has died that we might live. As he leads, he is teaching us to die to these sinful passions and fears that we might live unto him. So, back to the scene presented in the psalm. Shepherds, the, the metaphors passed, and now we're on being soldiers. We are soldiers marching off to, the, to war, following our commander as we walk through the valley, this deep valley, with enemies on both sides taunting us. We are initially fearful that they're going to swoop down from their strongholds and do us harm. What does our commander do? He halts the march. And he says, we're going to set up camp here in this valley. We're thinking, what, is he crazy? So after this long march, we are hungry. And our commander feeds us, right? The commander is very different than any other commander we've ever had. Consider his tender care. To us that are tired soldiers covered with dirt and dust from the march, he anoints our head. He anoints our head, providing refreshment. Instead of giving them, instead of giving us army rations that normally go to soldiers that have to, we have to rush to eat, the commander prepares a glorious table for us. Imagine in the middle of this battle, the china is brought out. The crystal glasses are set on the table. It's adorned with sparkling candles. It's all done in an orderly way. We take our places at the table. Realizing this is surreal in the middle of this valley with the enemies all around us. And yet with a calm repose, we follow his lead. We take our places. We are surrounded by other soldiers. And as we eat, we start talking. We share stories of our commander's exploits. As the food is served, our mouths are filled with delicious food. And in between bites, talk, we continue to talk of our commander's goodness. And what's in the enemy's mouth? Angry taunts and threats. Indeed, at this feast, we rejoice, we give thanks, we drink from the cup of his goodness, and our heart rejoices. The portions are splendid, and the cup overflows. There is no end to his provision from our commander. Together with our fellow soldiers, we're caught up in this celebration. And you know what? We've forgotten about the enemy. We've forgotten about him. We make toasts and we sing. And all the former fears are replaced with life-giving fellowship. 
why would our commander <clears throat> set up table in the middle of this valley that leads to death with enemies all around? Initially, we thought he was crazy, but he's wiser than we can imagine. For as we eat and drink and celebrate, we're still fighting. We're still fighting. The enemy knows that we are at our weakest when we're grumbling and we're complaining and we're overloaded with discontent. When we have this attitude, we are saying that we do not trust our commander or want to follow his directions. We are prone to mutiny and we're ready to seek a different commander. But when we rejoice, when we give thanks, even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, then we find our strength. We find our strength and trust in our commander. When every glass raised in a toast and every song sung, the enemy is beside himself. They recognize they're losing the battle for their poison is not affecting us. As we rejoice, we recognize and we testify that God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We need these times of regular celebration to remember God's goodness. Remember Abraham? He has a son. He has a son named Isaac. Isaac is weaned. What does Abraham have? A weaning party, right? The Israelites were to celebrate the Sabbath every seven days. And every month, they were to rejoice, commemorating the new moon. Add to this a whole bunch of other times of celebrations, including the Passover, the first fruits or first harvests, the Day of Atonement, and then later, they celebrated the Feast of Lights, remembering Mordecai's victory over wicked Haman. <clears throat> As followers of Christ, we have much to celebrate. So, daily sing songs of thankfulness, offer prayers of thanksgiving, and raise an overflowing glass and bless your neighbor and rejoice in God's goodness. Simply put, make your house one of celebration. All around us, we can find, find reasons or things to fear or things to complain about. But as you're overwhelmed with fear and discouragement, remember our Lord. He walked to the cross, he submitted himself to the bulls of Bashan, to the raging lions, to the pack of wild dogs taunting him. And why did he do this? He suffered that we might rejoice. He is in control of all of our, the events of our life. He is using all these things for our good. Instead of cowering in fear, put on a rejoicing attitude and sing. As you sing and rejoice, he will guard your heart and mind and shield you from the fiery darts of the enemy. As you find yourself in constant prayer and learning contentment, you are being fitted to dwell with him forever. Do you remember as a child visiting your grandparents' house? Or maybe it was a cousin's house. You had a great time. Then the, then the hours or days, however long you were there, they expired. And your parents announced... It's time to go home. And you know what the kids all said? Oh, they wanted to stay. They wanted the good times to go on forever. Surely you were disappointed when the good times have ended. But as you go to the Lord's house, as, you ult as we ultimately go to the Lord's house, it's not, we're not going as visitors for a time. The psalm tells us we're going there forever. We're going there forever. There will be no end to the good times. He is making us sons, and he has gone to prepare a place. 
In our Lord's presence, there will be no dour attitudes, no pouty faces. Instead, we will find our contentment and we will rejoice over and over again. So to this psalm, let me offer a few words of application. We are called to grow up in Christ. And this does not happen in one day, one year, but it takes a lifetime. To parents, raising children without a routine. Imagine raising your children without a routine. You would experience brutal chaos. And your children would grow up to be giant slugs, selfish, indulging every chance they are allowed. From the beginning, God has been bringing order and beauty where there was once chaos. Follow his lead. Follow the lead of the shepherd. Daily take time to drink from his word that your thirst may be quenched and that of your children. Hunger for righteousness and find it as you read his word. Fathers, rule your house well. Daily feed your children from his word that their souls and your soul may be restored. Set aside times for prayer to give thanks, to hear his word read, and to sing and to rejoice. Follow your commander and make this a discipline in your home. Second, look to what you and your children are feeding upon. Consider that which fills your spare time, that which is coming in through your eyes and your ears. Are you eating the brown grass of this world? Are you drinking from turbulent and poisoned waters of this world? which are sowing seeds of contentment? Is your shepherd pleased with your choices? Are you allowing him to lead you so that your soul is restored? Let him lead you, that you may be strengthened, for he is converting us to stout soldiers who know how to take orders and not fear. You have been saved from the enemy, and may you be strengthened that you can turn around and do battle with him. You have a purpose in this life. Even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is calling you to walk through it. He will walk through through it with you in these times, and sometimes he's going to push us with his rod and his crook and to keep our eyes on him. So as you learn to die to yourself, learn not to fear, and your obedience will grow. Your greatest weapons against fear and discontentment is to rejoice. Satan and his minions want, to, want you to break into a cold sweat. And God says, feast. When you find your mind working in overdrive, trying to solve all the world's problems or make sense of what's going on in your life, and you feel overwhelmed, just start singing and rejoicing. Remember, God is good, and he's been good all the days of our life. Speak to God. Bring forth your concerns, your fears, your anxieties. This we call prayers but also be sure to bring forth his praises. Even as you pray, thy Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As you pray, find reasons to give thanks. Give thanks for the crisp autumn mornings, for the vibrant colors, for your spouse, for your children, for your grandchildren, and for dear friends. Count your blessings. Take inventory of the table that God has prepared for you and how he has made your cup overflow. This too is a discipline, and we must drive it into our own life and, and, and having our children follow our lead. To complain and grumble, to be discontent is a task any fool can slide into. But to take inventory of your blessings, this requires some effort, but 
it's well worth the time. So as you sit around the table, find reasons to give thanks. Our Heavenly Father is at work in your life. Learn to follow his lead. Call upon him to rejoice and in his goodness not to fear. As you practice this daily, you are learning to be a thankful son that will live forever with his father and the rest of your brethren. May God's name be praised. Brothers and sisters, let's give thanks. Let's pray for intercession. Gracious Father, we have heard your word, yet we confess that the spirit is willing, but our bodies are weak. Help us daily to put on new obedience that we would become a blessing to our families and our friends and our neighbors. Teach us that in doing this we are fighting, even to count out your blessings and rejoice. We give you thanks now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.